In worship last Sunday, we heard the story of Jesus calling his first disciples as it's told in the Gospel of John. Actually, we heard just part of that story. It's a long narrative in the Gospel of John, covering much of the first chapter. It begins with John the Baptist hanging out with a few of his followers when Jesus happens to pass by on a stroll. John points to Jesus and declares, look, here is the Lamb of God. And what follows is this long meandering story of several people sort of dipping their toes a little bit into the waters of discipleship. A couple tag along after Jesus until he stops and asks them, what are you looking for? And they ask him where he's staying, which makes it seem like either they didn't hear his question or they really have no idea what they're looking for. And he responds with the gentle invitation, come and see. That invitation comes back as a refrain with other disciples to be. Philip decides to start following Jesus and tells his brother Nathaniel, why don't you come along too? And when Nathaniel shrugs him off with this nasty rhetorical question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come from that poor little village full of peasants? Philip responds gently, like Jesus had. Come and see. John's telling of the story has a lot going for it. It's full of real human characters who I think we can recognize and probably even identify with. People who are a little curious about Jesus, but also not entirely sure they're ready to jump into the deep end of the pool just yet. People who equivocate and sort of tentatively tag along and ask questions and express doubts. And Jesus has no problem with any of them in John. He just keeps walking by the seashore and inviting, ever gentle and kind. Come and see. Come and see. We just heard Mark's version of that same story this morning. Mark's version of Jesus calling his first disciples. And it does have a few of the same pieces. John the Baptist is there in the background. And Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he does want people to follow him. But really, that is about as far as the similarities go. Because in fact, these two versions of the story couldn't be more different when it comes to the tone. While John's Jesus seems to have all the time in the world, the Jesus that we meet here in Mark has no time for chit-chat, no time to waste. Follow me, he says. And immediately, they followed. To understand the way that Jesus approaches the fishermen casting their nets by the shore in the Gospel of Mark, I think you need to back up just a little bit to Mark's account of Jesus' baptism. This story takes place in other Gospels too, and it's a familiar one, of course. Jesus arrives at the river, and John baptizes him, and there's a voice speaking from the heavens. But there is an important difference in the way Mark tells the story. While the other Gospels speak of the heavens opening, we sort of imagine the clouds gently parting and allowing the sun to break through for a moment, maybe with a little harp music in the background. Mark says the heavens were torn apart. Maybe you noticed that this morning. He uses the verb schizo here, as in our English word schizophrenic, literally split mind or split personality. The image there is anything but gentle. This isn't a comforting metaphorical moment that initiates diplomatic relations between God and humankind. 
says biblical scholar Brian Blunt. No, it's God decisively breaking into human history, ripping through the boundary that separates heaven and earth, and setting Jesus on the trajectory of his own ministry, which will have everything to do with tearing down walls. That's there in the background for everything that Jesus is going to go on to do in the gospel. God is on the loose, doing something new and radical and earth-shaking, something that will forever change the way people relate to God and to one another. And that image is definitely there in the background, in the way Jesus calls the disciples. He's not inviting them to come and hang out and maybe watch the sunset together, have some fish on the beach. He's calling them to participate in the work of this boundary-breaking God who has just ripped into the world anew. There's no time for small talk. So that's part of it, I think. But there's also something else behind Jesus's no-nonsense approach to calling disciples here. And it's right there in our reading this morning, so unobtrusive that it's easy to miss. Now, after John was arrested, Mark says, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. After John was arrested, that's when Jesus really began his work. You can read about the particulars of this in Mark chapter 6. Mark tells us there that Herod arrested John because he had publicly criticized Herod's marriage to his brother Philip's wife, calling it unlawful. John had dared to speak out against this powerful ruler in charge, and it landed him in a jail cell and eventually cost him his life. And something about that incident, the silencing of a prophet and the unrestrained violence of a tyrant, seems to have gotten to Jesus. No longer would he stay home, leading a quiet life in sleepy Nazareth as he had done for three decades or so. No longer would he stay silent while the powerful abused the weak with impunity. No longer would he passively go along with the kingdom operating around him. It was time to proclaim something new. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The time is fulfilled, Jesus said. It's another way of saying this is the moment. This is the moment to take a stand. This is the moment to choose something better than the death-dealing ways you see around you. We have had enough, and this is the moment to turn and walk toward life. With a message like that, one that's so urgent and so immediate, you can understand why he called the disciples in the way that he did, with a few brief words and a fire in his eye. This is the moment. It's time to follow. And they did. This past week, people in my country celebrated the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For many of us, a way to mark this day is to revisit his letter from a Birmingham jail. And the occasion for that letter, written in 1963, had a lot to do with the question of timing. Dr. King was imprisoned for his role in leading a nonviolent protest against racial segregation in the city. 
and while he was serving his jail sentence, a number of white clergy wrote an editorial in the local paper. They said that while they might agree with Dr. King's goals and principle, they felt his methods and his timing were off. He was demanding too much change too quickly. Don't push so hard, they said. Just be patient for change to come. Wait. Someone shared the editorial with Dr. King in his prison cell, and the letter he wrote is a direct response to those white clergy. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor, King wrote. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word, wait. It rings in the ears of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. Dr. King understood all too well that for those in positions of privilege, those benefiting from the current system, there is never a right moment for change to come. But for those who suffer, the moment is always now. We will have to repent in this generation not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, King went on, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. The time is always ripe to do right. The time is always right to be co-workers with God. The time is always right to turn from injustice and fear and demonization of those who are different from us and turn toward something better. Dr. King sounds like the Jesus we meet in the Gospel of Mark to me. There's no time for excuses or equivocation. There's no time for debates about when the kingdom of God might make a claim on our lives. There's no time to wonder about when Jesus might ask something from us. The time is fulfilled. This is the moment. So come and follow. You might get the idea here that I think we should just kind of throw that leisurely call story from the Gospel of John out the window. But I don't. It has its place, too. And there are moments in our lives and in our world when that warm, gentle invitation to come and see is probably just what we need. But in this moment, here at the start of 2021, and in the middle of all the messes that we are facing, Mark's story feels right to me. It confronts us with the urgent truth that the gospel and its claim on our lives is always now. At the U.S. presidential inauguration ceremony this past week, 22-year-old Amanda Gorman read a poem she had composed for the occasion entitled, The Hill We Climb. If you haven't listened to her read it yet, I hope you will go track it down. It's just an amazing poem.
She spoke with wisdom and integrity and honesty and hopefulness. And the poem ends this way. When day comes, we step out of the shade aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. That's what I hear Jesus saying to those unsuspecting disciples with their nets by the shore. There is hope to be found, and you are needed to bring it to birth. You are needed to stand up to injustice and live your life with mercy and remind others of their dignity and dance to rhythms of grace and joy. There is no time like the present and no sense of holding back. The needs are real and the time is fulfilled. The gospel is always now, my friends, and the summons is there for us once again. You are needed. So come and follow. Amen.